Well, good morning. Glad that you chose to join us today. And uh, following this morning's scripture talk, we're going to celebrate communion. And so you can help yourself to a drink of your choice and a cracker or a cookie. And uh, you'll be invited, not obligated, to eat and drink with us as we remember and celebrate the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus. And, uh, but today, we're starting a new series of scripture talks called Decisions, Decisions. And uh, we are all confronted with a myriad of opportunities to decide. And uh, probably there hasn't been a time in history where we've been confronted with more options than the day that we're living in now. All you have to do is walk up and down a grocery store and see how many different kinds of coffees are available or how many different kinds of toothpaste are offered to us. And uh, some decisions that we make are um, rather uh, insignificant. Uh, and other decisions that we make about career choices and where to study and where to live and which career to choose and who to marry or if we should get married, uh, all of these decisions carry incredible weight. In fact, it could be argued that every decision we make, especially the weighty ones, are doorways that lead to a new future. And um, every, every door that opens for us is an opportunity and an invitation. In fact, God, who loves us, in fact, is described as love in Scripture, um, love always gives freedom. And so we have been given a tremendous opportunity to use our freedom to decide. And um, so we're going to talk about decisions. Some are challenging and some are complicated. Some are rather simple and easy. And, but we make hundreds, if not thousands, of decisions every day. And um, so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how we can make good decisions and about the role that God plays in making himself available to assist us in making really good decisions. We're gonna talk about how we respond after we've made a poor decision, or even how we can um, respond in a mature fashion after other people have made a decision that's impacted us in a rather negative way. And uh, we'll consider a spirituality of little decisions as we move along. And um, But our passage to ponder is taken from Proverbs chapter 19, verses 2 and 3. And you'll find in this one, actually two verses, that um, the writer of Proverbs helps us understand the role of emotions, the role of pace, and personal responsibility. So here's our passage to ponder. Uh, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Really what he's saying is if we allow ourselves to make decisions based on how we feel, uh, that's, that's not good. Um, Haste makes mistakes. So if we move at a brisk pace, if we are hurried and rushed, we'll probably make poor decisions. And then the writer continues and says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Uh, it's interesting, all of us have done it. We have misused our decision-making capacity and then turned around and have failed to see the connection bet between our decision-making and the situations we find ourselves in life, and then we blame God. And so personal responsibility is associated with decision-making, and we need to learn how to do that, as opposed to blaming God for every circumstance we find ourselves in. So um, really quickly, our choices change us. One choice at a time, we are either regressing or we are growing. And decisions can cause stress. Um, there has probably never been a time in history when we have not been um, more stressed than now. And oftentimes it can be 
too much information, too many responsibilities, but decisions are coming fast and furious for us and it can lead to stress. And poor decisions, and we've all made them, can lead to regret. Uh, Andy Stanley has talked about the three Ds, the most common regrets. He says, dumb purchases, doomed relationships, and destructive habits. And every one of these, whether it was a, um, a debt that we took on or a relationship that we were cautioned about, or whether it was just a series of decisions that then became habit forming in our life, they all started by using our free will to decide whether it was an expenditure, whether it was a relationship, or whether it was a series of consecutive repeatable acts that became habit forming in our lives. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton, she talks about some foundational um, beliefs that are crucial or critical to making good decisions. And uh, we'll hold these before us as we walk through this series, but I think these are incredibly helpful as we start this morning. Um, here they are. The first one is a growing confidence in the goodness of God. If we're going to make really good decisions, we're going to have to understand and believe, have a predisposition of our soul that is um, paying attention to the fact and acknowledging that God is good, that God is incredibly good and that we can trust him. Uh, when we hold that in front of us, then we can walk confidently through every doorway that presents itself to us. And so a growing confidence in the goodness of God is number one. Number two, love is our primary calling. And we can answer the question every time we're confronted with a decision, what does love require of me? And love is always um, predisposed toward acting um, for the good of the beloved. And so it's not just about us. Uh, we make decisions for us, but not just for us. We make decisions for others as well. And the decisions we make are never isolated in a vacuum, but they always impact other people. And then thirdly, God speaks with us by his Holy Spirit to help us know the demands of love in a certain situation. And so we are not alone in our decision-making. We'll talk a little bit later about the role of the community of faith. But we also have the Holy Spirit of God. Those of us who put our saving faith in Jesus, we have a companion or a counselor, and we'll talk about his role a little bit later this morning. But we have a companion who is with us, a guide who helps us along the way. And we do well to consult him when we make decisions. All right, so three big ideas today as we talk about making good decisions, because that's our teaching theme for this morning. It's going to be about reading scripture consistently. It's going to require um, paying attention to the Spirit's promptings, and it will also involve leaning into the community of faith. So we'll start with, um, and this could be a rather meat and potatoes teaching this morning, but it's so central as we step into September, knowing that uh, sometimes the routines of the fall season can be incredibly busy, and we can be uh, rushed to make all sorts of decisions and we can get distracted easily and fill our lives up with all sorts of things that don't matter as much as other things do. Uh, we want to make sure that we're anchored. And so this is why uh, I guess I've put together a meat and potatoes kind of meal for us today. So we'll talk first of all about reading scripture consistently and the role that that plays in making good decisions. Proverbs chapter two, verse six says, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come wisdom and understanding. So, we know that, many of us who've been around uh, faith communities for a while, that we should read scripture consistently. But why should we do it? I've got three thoughts for you about that this morning. The first one is this. When we read scripture consistently, our vision for life becomes clearer. Um, according to the New York Times, only 25% of Americans um, believe that they have a clear sense of purpose 
uh, around their life and what makes their life most meaningful. Um, people who have a sense of purpose live longer than those who say that they have lost their purpose or lack purpose. And that's according to applied psychology in a 2010 study. Um, scripture helps us cut through the fog and to gain some helpful clarity about the purpose of life. And it's not just about our individual purpose, it's about the large macro narrative. Uh, we could describe scripture as the story of God. And we find ourselves in the story of God as well. And so unless we can place ourselves somewhere where the divine drama, so to speak, is unfolding around us, if we can't place ourselves somewhere in the narrative, then in many ways, we've kind of lost our way. And so the further our culture moves away from acknowledging God and putting him at the center, the more our purpose will seem to be somewhat elusive. And so um, we gain vision for life, or at least clarity around the vision for life, when we immerse ourselves in scripture and read it consistently. We gain um, what I would consider to be clarity around values, uh, values for life or values for living. Um, it could be argued that every decision we make is informed by a value that we hold. Whether we say yes to an opportunity or no to an opportunity, there is like a values tug of war that's going on that often leads us to decide accordingly. And so we wanna, um, again, immerse ourselves in the text of scripture so that we can become familiar with, as the Bible describes it, the ways of God. And when we're familiar with the ways of God and we say yes to them and we adopt them and call his values our own, then we can go into life, into the complexities of life and be able to carry uh, with us God's ways so that we can make values-based decisions. And uh, I believe when we read scripture, it really helps us with vision and our values. And then the voices of faith and reason come to us when we read scripture. There are a lot of competing voices in our culture that invite us to live a certain way or to uh, adopt a certain um, uh, a sense of values in, in life. And when we listen to the text, when we listen to the voice, in fact, scripture is not just a book of historical uh, writings, though they are historical writings. Um, scripture is a divinely inspired book that helps us again understand uh, what matters most in life, who God is, how he wants to relate with us. And so we read about um, men and women who walked with God. We learn about the things they got right, the things they got wrong. It is a book full of divine life lessons for all of us. And um, we do well to pay attention to those stories. Um, a principle to live by this morning as we consider um, reading scripture consistently is this. Without knowing where true north is, we will easily get disoriented and lose our way. Uh, it's been said before, psychologists say that young children, um, they consider their parents or their primary caregivers to be what he calls, what this psychologist calls true north. And that when a child is away from their parent for just a few moments, if you see them at the playground, they'll come back and check in and then go back out and play with their friends, come back in and check in and go back out and play with their friends. They're actually reorienting their life around true north. Um, when we read scripture consistently, we orient our life around true north. We consistently place God at the center. He is at the center of the universe and we put him at the center of our story and of our life. 
If you haven't found it yet, I want to strongly encourage you to go to your app store and download the YouVersion Bible app. And there are so many fantastic reading plans. You can read through the New Testament or the Proverbs or the Psalms or all sorts of topical uh, reading plans that deals with marriage and parenting and work and all the issues that we, we, we face in life. And, uh, and then you can actually read the Bible for yourself. And I'd recommend you doing it every day and maybe at the same time every day where you carve out 10 minutes and read a devotional or a Bible reading section and just learn to apply it into your life. And over time, incrementally, you begin to form a Christian worldview that places God again at the center. Vision, values, and the voices of men and women of faith from the past help form us today. Okay, number two, we can listen for the Spirit's prompting. If we're going to make good decisions, we need to pay attention to what the Spirit might be saying to us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. It's been said before that if you try to figure that out, you'll lose your mind. And if you deny it, you'll fragment your soul. And it's so true. Um, now, Father, Son, we have a, a reference point for that. Uh, spirit is hard for us. It, there's intangibility around the spirit. It's, he is non-material. And when Jesus was trying to explain the spirit to a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he used the analogy of wind. And it's kind of hard to get our mind around the wind. As Jesus said, we see where it comes from, we see where it goes, but it's kind of hard to grasp the wind. The spirit is not always easy um, to grasp. But for us today, we do well to pay attention and to listen for what we have called uh, over the last number of years, promptings of the spirit, gentle nudges of the spirit. Some have called them whispers, not necessarily with the physical ears, but there's like a suggestion in the soul that comes, wisdom from above that gets imparted. And uh, we, we, we just pay attention for uh, what God might be saying to us as we make our way in the world. Again, one God so the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all the one true God. Um, listen to Psalm 23. David writes these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Ready for this part? He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Here's another important phrase. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. The Holy Spirit is a guide he leads us and he is a counselor. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. Now, remember this, good counselors don't make decisions for other people. They assist them in helping them make good decisions. The Holy Spirit is not always telling us exactly what to do so that we become very mechanical and we, we, we just choose to kind of go on autopilot. Um, when we were young children, our parents pulled out our clothing for us they packed our lunch for us. They maybe held our hand as they walked us to school. Now, if our young adults are still asking us to pull out our clothing for us, uh, asking our parents to pull out our clothing for us, or preparing our lunches and holding our hands on the way to university or college, we would say that the parent is overreaching, to say the least, and that maybe the uh, individual, the son or daughter, has had their growth dwarfed because there is a sense in which there's age-appropriate care and direction. But as we grow and mature, we begin to carry with us the values that we've learned in our home. We've learned by being close to our family of origin what it looks like to live in the world as a Larmer or as a Smith or as a Jones, whatever that means. And then we go into the world with something impressed upon our soul where we just have a sense of rightness about what to do. We've been trained in what it means to be a mature human person. 
And so it's the same with the spirit. The spirit doesn't always come and tell you exactly what to do. Uh, he actually is a spirit who gives self-control. And so we just want to walk with God so that we get to know him. And then we carry his character into the world and we carry his wisdom with us where we go. And, and so he is a wonderful counselor who doesn't always tell us what to do. But because we keep step with him, we learn what to do in situations because we've grown and we've developed his kind of character. So the Holy Spirit is a counselor. The Holy Spirit provides caution and conviction. Maybe you can relate to this. There's a moment when you get into a certain situation, you just feel like an amber light is flashing. It's like, pay attention, slow down, be careful. It's just a feeling you have in your soul. We need to pay attention to that. The Spirit often will caution us when we're at the edge of something that might be dangerous or harmful for us. And then sometimes when we step over the cautionary amber light and we go through maybe even a red light, the Spirit will come alongside us and it will convict us is what the Bible says. It will make us feel a measure of healthy guilt so that we will abandon our um, poor decision-making track and opt for a, a healthy, more functional way of living. And uh, the Spirit will provide that for us, not to shame us or condemn us, but to invite us to turn for home, to find a better way. And so the Holy Spirit provides caution and conviction and the Holy Spirit offers us companionship. As we've already mentioned briefly in Galatians chapter five, Paul writes and says, um, let us, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. So there's a sense in which the spirit is, is working in the world. And he says, why don't you come and walk with me and work with me? And our job is to stay in step with him, to adopt his pace and his rhythm. And uh, so a principle for us to live by is this. Allowing the spirit to lead us requires trust. We have to believe he's leading us into a good place. And staying in step with the spirit often requires a change of pace. Uh, he doesn't walk at our pace. We need to walk at his pace. And uh, again, as we've talked about earlier, when we're rushed and hurried, we often don't make good decisions. So we slow down and keep pace or keep step with the spirit. All right, number three, stay in community with the people of God. Uh, a few passages for you. Proverbs eleven fourteen, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 1. One who separates himself, one who isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. This passage is saying, don't isolate yourself. Don't separate yourself from others. Step into a circle of community. There's wisdom there. And then Acts 15, verse 28 says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And then Luke describes what the early church was deciding together. And so there was a sense of communal decision-making that was happening. And that can be a wonderful life-giving experience for people, especially when you step into a circle of maturity. I do wanna caution you to beware of echo chambers. If that's a new idea for you, an echo chamber is this idea that you only step into a circle that will uh, resonate or reflect back to you what you hold true or what you hold dear. And so uh, sometimes we seek out echo chambers because we want other people to reinforce what we believe and what we think and what we hold to be true. Um, if you haven't seen Social Dilemma yet on Netflix, I really encourage you to watch it. There are algorithms on social media that target us, that deliver um, news stories to us or certain posts that reflect what we've liked uh, in, in previous um, social media feeds. 
And so in many ways, there is an echo chamber society going on where the left doesn't listen to the right and the right doesn't listen to the left. And there is this sense in which we have tuned one another out, unless, of course, we speak on the same frequency. And that divide is becoming incredibly real and tangible these days. And people of God, the people of faith should be willing to listen to other voices and other perspectives. There's wisdom in that. And I also want to encourage you to uh, belong to a circle of trusted friends. Um, there is nothing quite like walking with people of like faith. Uh, we get encouragement for life. It's not necessarily an echo chamber because even within the people of faith, there's diversity and diverse views and thoughts. But we come to a community who holds things dear, the one true God, scripture, and our mission to follow Jesus in the world. And then we go back out into the world and we live out our faith as witnesses of the resurrected Jesus. Um, so belonging to a circle is really important. I wanna give you three take-home principles really quickly that'll help you and then apply it real fast before we celebrate communion. Three take-home principles. Play it forward. When you're about to make a decision, think about where this decision will lead you. What is the trajectory of the decision you're about to make? Secondly, slow it down. When you're tempted to make a big decision, in a short period of time, slow it down and reflect. Sometimes the smartest thing to do is not to decide until you've sought out appropriate counsel and felt comfortable with the process. Number three, listen for wisdom. There is a boatload of wisdom that can come to us if we just stop speaking and start listening. Um, September is full of opportunities, especially for young families. There can be all sorts of extracurricular activities and many of them are incredibly good for our kids but the most important one is to make sure they're rooted in the community of faith. This is why we're inviting as many people as possible to come to our in-person gatherings. And if you have younger people, children or students, one of the most important things you can do at an early age is connect them to a circle of spiritual friends who are walking with God together. Because the number one influence on kids is not parents, it's peers. And uh, we provide opportunities on Wednesday nights for children and students and love to have you access those programs. It'll be a really good decision. Uh, join a small group community, Pastor Gary. You can reach out to him, gary at kingstreet.org and he can help you find a small group community either online or in person. And it's a really, really important part of our discipleship journey. And then why not consider starting this September to rejoin us in person? Um, it is a COVID responsible environment where people are wearing their masks. We keep it to one hour worship gathering. It's a wonderful opportunity to be seen and to see others. And we are made for relational connection and uh, we would love to have you. Come on out at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 611 King Street West. If you're local, we would love to have you. So we're gonna celebrate communion now. And if you're new to this YouTube channel or new to church, um, I hold a cracker and you may hold a cracker or a cookie or something else that you're gonna eat in just a moment and uh, just a bottle of water or you might have a cup of juice. And these are symbols that remind us of the substance of the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. And uh, scripture teaches that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever would believe in him or put their saving faith in him or give their allegiance to him would never perish but would have this beautiful gift of eternal life. And so our hope is not in how good we are or how much evil we avoid. Our hope is in the finished sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he didn't just die, he rose again and he carried our sins. And so you and I don't have to pay the penalty of our sins any longer, but Jesus himself did. 
And so around King Street Community Church and in many, many other expressions around the Durham region or around the world, we celebrate the death of the Lord Jesus because how loved we are, we see in the face of Christ how deeply loved we are. So the Apostles' Creed is an early uh, summary of the belief that the early Christians carried with them. And we still hold these to be true. And so uh, if you're in your living room or somewhere else in your home or, or elsewhere, would you join me by reciting the Apostles' Creed? We believe this to be true. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. So, with high regard for the broken body of the Lord Jesus, would you join me by eating the wafer or the cracker or the cookie? And with thanksgiving to God for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all of our regrettable moments and all of our sins, would you join me by drinking from the cup? Father, thank you today for this beautiful gift of communion that reminds us again of how severely loved we are. Thank you for the decision that Jesus made to go to the cross. It was a beautiful, good decision. Hard, but good. And for us today, God, we're making all sorts of decisions. Some seem rather small, some seem rather complicated and large. Pray, God, that you would give us your wisdom. Help us to stay anchored in the, in the scriptures that you've provided for us so that we can know your ways. Help us to pay attention to the Spirit's prompting so that we can listen to his wise counsel. And help us, Lord, to stay connected to the community of faith so that we can belong to a circle of trusted friends who can cheer one another on to run this race of faith that you've called us to run. So we commit our ways to you now, God, and thank you for all the ways you love us and care for us and guide us along life's pathway. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.